I've just added uh, Worth to my Netflix playlist. Have you seen the film Worth? Um, it's a true story of Kenneth Feinberg, who was the guy who ran the September 11 Victim Compensation Fund, um, which that might not sound very... It, it's based on a book he wrote called What Is Life Worth? Now, I'm old enough, I can remember September 11, um, the original, you know, the attacks uh, on September 11. Now, I can remember the Victim Compensation Fund. If you don't know, 2,996 people died on September 11. And there was a massive outpouring, a global outpouring of compassion toward the families, the almost 3,000 families that were left without loved ones. And people from all over the world donated money. There were funds and uh, sort of temporary charities set up in countries right across the world. The US government themselves made available billions of dollars to support the families uh, whose lives were just, you know, wrecked on that, on that one day. But of course, then there was this big problem uh, that arose. How do you distribute the money to the families in need? Because, uh, believe it or not, there, there were all these sort of, um, all this kind of confusion because, uh, for instance, there were, um, uh, there were younger people or families of younger people saying, well, we should get more of the money because, you know, a, a, a life that's lost in their young age, has so much more to live for, has, has, has lost relatively so much more than an older person who was killed in the attacks. And people with families said, well, well, you know, a single person shouldn't get the same amount as a family. You know, a, a mother that's left caring for multiple children, it should get kind of more of the money uh, than the family of a single person. And then there were families of wealthier people saying, well, the, 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 the kind of the potential income that we've lost is so much greater. Uh, you know, when our father was like, you know, we kind of lost this much future income, so we should get sort of more of the money. And so uh, the US government appointed Kenneth Feinberg to come up with uh, basically a maths equation to work out, this is true, to work out who should get what money from this, from this big pot. And I'll tell you, this is the way it worked. It was a bit more complicated than this, but this was kind of the guts of the way that the September 11 Victim Compensation Fund was, uh, was originally divided. Every victim's family got $250,000. Oh, I should say, but this is 20-year-old money, so you know, you've got to allow for inflation. So every victim's family got $250,000 as a flat straight-up payment. And then for every, well, every spouse, for a spouse and for every child you had, you got an additional $100,000, right? So if you had a, a wife and two kids, you got an additional $300,000. And then everyone got paid out your salary multiplied by the years left that you had to work. So I did the maths for myself uh, back in the day based on what I was earning. At, at the time, if I'd have been in the towers on September 11, based on what I was earning back then, I would have been worth, if I died in September 11, I would have been worth $1.962 million. Which, I know, I know, which, which adjusting for inflation, adjusting for inflation, 3.386 million dollars. I didn't have children then, but of course I was younger then, so you know, had sort of more time to earn. Now, there are two responses, uh, broad responses, when I give you that number, 3.386 million, aren't there? There are some people in the room, hopefully, who are saying, Matt, you're worth way more than that. 
how that is so unfair. How could it, there's no way that you are worth that small amount of money. But there's another group in the room, isn't there? And you know who you are. Yes, yeah, the people who are thinking, Matt, you are dreaming. There is no way that you're what? Like as if you're worth that amount. And there's potentially a third group, which are my children in the room who are thinking, is there a way that we could swap you for the money? You know, is, is the offer still there? I don't know. But it does make you think, doesn't it? Uh, stories like that do make you think. A film like that does make you think. How much is life worth? You know, really, how valuable is your life? How valuable is my life? I mean, is the value of my life really based on how much I earn? Is the value of your life really based on whether you're married or not and how many kids you have? Are young people really worth more than older people? Uh, are, are good people worth more than bad people? Are they worth more than evil people? You know, are doctors and lawyers worth more than sales assistants and sales reps? Are sports people and actors and singers, you know, people that earn millions, sometimes, you know, crazy amounts of money, are they really worth more than people who are nursing in hospitals and teaching in schools? How much do you think your life is worth? How much do you think others think your life is worth? How much do you think God thinks your life is worth? I mean, God made a lot of people, right? There's 8 billion people on the planet at the moment. He can make, he's making more all the time. You know, like, is just one of them, are they really worth that much? You know, when you can, when you can just make people like that? God sees all the good things I've done, though, so that'd be worth something, wouldn't it? You know, there's good things I do that you guys know nothing about, but God <laughs> sees those things, so they would count... They would count for me, wouldn't they? They'd be, they'd be sort of credit on my side. But of course, you know, on the flip side, God sees all the bad stuff too, doesn't he? God sees the things I do that none of you, thank goodness, see. God knows the things I think. You know, those thoughts I have that I'm really glad no one knows about. God sees and knows all those things that I wish I could do, but I don't do. So a lot of that stuff's going to count against me. So at the end of the day, you know, when God balances up those good things I've done and the, the good things I'm doing and then all the, all the other stuff, how would I come out? What does, what does God think of me? Is that how it works? And the good news I want to tell you today, and some of you know the answer to this already, you know where this is going, is that God doesn't value people the way we value people. Your worth, your value to God is not uh, contingent on, it's not affected by how much money you earn. It's not affected by how old you are. It's not affected by whether you're married or whether you have kids. It's not affected by the job you do. It's not affected by the car you drive. It's not affected by the number of followers you have on Instagram. It's not affected by any of those things. God doesn't even base your value on how good you are. He doesn't even base your value on how generous you are, how kind you are, how many nice things you've done this week. None of that matters to God. In fact, it is true to say there is nothing that you can do, good or bad, 
that could ever change the value that God has on your life. This, friends, is what Christians call grace. Now, you've probably heard the word grace before. We sing about it. We, it was in a couple of the songs we sang this morning. We sing about grace. If you, if you read the Bible or you come to church, you hear that word spoken all the time. Um, or we call our kids grace. I have a child whose middle name is Grace. Um, you know, it, it's, kind of, it's a very popular word in our culture, in our society. But what exactly is grace? How do you define grace? And, and more importantly, this is where we're going today. What does that actually mean for us? Is it just one of those kind of Bible words, those churchy words? What does grace, the idea of grace, actually mean for our lives today? So a definition first. One of the, uh, there are many definitions, but one of the simplest definitions of grace is that grace is the undeserved favour of God. Grace is the undeserved favour of God. Grace is the word used to describe the value that God puts on you that has nothing to do with anything you've done, nothing to do with anything you're currently doing, and nothing to do with anything you ever will do. Grace describes the fact that God loves you with everything that he has just because. Just because. No other reason he loves you just because. Grace explains, in a Christian sense, grace explained why Jesus died on the cross for people that don't even like him. Paul described it this way when he wrote a letter to the church in Rome. He said, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's Romans 5, 6 to 8. Paul says, I mean, let's face it now, well, very rarely would anyone die for a righteous person. Righteous person, someone who keeps all the laws, pays their taxes on time, no speeding fines, you know, just someone who gets it, who gets it all right. Very rarely would anyone die for a person like that. Would anyone say, yeah, I'll give up my life for that person? Maybe for a good person. If there was a really good person, I don't know, think whoever you think is good, sort of a, a Mother Teresa type, you know, maybe for a good person, someone would say, well, I'll, I'll die for that person. They're so good. They're so good that I'll give up my life so they can keep living because they're such a good person. He said, but, but God, but God demonstrated his love for us this way. While we were still sinners. In other words, while we weren't righteous, while we were messing up, while we were stuck in our own sin and stuck in our own you know, mess and in our own anger and our own grief, while we were stuck in that stuff, well, we were far from being good, if we ever are good. Well, we were a long way from that. Even in that moment, God demonstrated his love for us by sending Jesus to die for us. God wants you to know how much he loves you. And he's saying, like, do you want proof of that? Do you need evidence for how much God loves you? I mean, do you want a demonstration God said, I, I'm going to give you a demonstration, you know, like a, like a little science experiment. I'm going to give you a demonstration of exactly how much I love you. 
and he sends his own son to die in your place. He sends his own son to be sacrificed so that you and I won't have to die. Jesus is, is going to give up his life for people who don't want to know him, for in some cases for people who outright hate him. He's going to give up his life for them just to give them an opportunity to live forever. He's offering this, this sort of free gift, if you like. And this is what we call grace. You don't have to be good enough or nice enough or rich enough or influential enough or you don't have to be anything enough in order to receive it. Grace is a free gift of God to you. And the silence in the room right now is exactly the problem with grace, right? Because let's be really honest, let's be really honest. For some of you who've been around church for a while, you hear me talking about grace and you think, yep, yep, that's good, and now you're waiting for me to say something better. And I want to say to your friends, there is nothing better. Do you get it? Like, like, like this is... The peak, this is the best news you will ever hear, or at least it ought to be the best news you'll ever hear. This is, this is God saying to you, you don't have to try harder. You don't have to achieve more. You don't have to be richer or smarter or older or younger or prettier or anything. I love you right now. This is God saying, I know you're not perfect. I know some of the stuff you've done. I know some of the stuff that you've done on purpose, right? Not just the accidental stuff. I know stuff of, some of the stuff that you've done on purpose and I love you anyway. I love you completely anyway. When I talk about grace, when anyone talks about grace, you're supposed to say and I'm supposed to say, Really? Like, are you kidding me? I can be loved and I can be accepted and I can be valuable, incredibly valuable, just the way I am. Are you serious? I don't need to achieve anymore. I don't need to be better. I don't need to be anything more. That's all for me right now. Like, are you kidding me? And it's going to cost me what? It's free and available to me right now. I mean, that's why we sing that old song, Amazing Grace, right? Because this news is supposed to be amazing. There's no song called Interesting Grace, <laughs> right? <laughs> the follow-up song that he wrote called Hmm, that's nice, Grace. It never flew, right? Those songs never made it. The one that made it is called Amazing Grace. And it's such a cliche, isn't it? Amazing Grace. Because this is supposed to be amazing. I mean really amazing, not amazing like a bloke kicked a ball through some sticks and that seemed pretty amazing. I mean really, really amazing. We're all trying to live a great life, right? And some people call it success and some people call it happiness and some people call it freedom. But everyone in this room wants to live their best life. 
And we've all got our own ideas about the path and the way to best make that happen. Some people think that money is the key. Some people think that family is the key. Some people think that experience is the key. We talked a lot about this. We did a whole series we called Idols and we talked about this sort of stuff. But whatever you choose, all of those things, we have to try really hard to achieve those things, don't we? I mean, if, if money and career, if, if, if that's your thing, then you better work really hard to get a high-paying job. Better work really hard to get a good job that's going to give you that sort of security and that sort of finance coming in. You better try really hard to understand investments and how to use that money and how to grow that money. You better spend and save wisely. You better be really good at that. If you don't, you'll never achieve that kind of a success. You'll never have all the things that come with that sort of financial success and freedom, will you? If you think your best life's all about family, then you better work really hard to raise good kids. You know, kids who love you and do well and want to be with you. You better work really hard to find a great partner and then, and then work really hard on, on, on life with that partner or with your parents or whatever it is, you know, and have great relationships within that family. You better work really hard to create great moments and times with your family. If you want family to be that kind of success, if you want family to be that thing for you, you've got to work really hard to make it happen. If you think freedom comes from sort of experiences and feelings, you better work really hard to create those sort of awesome days in your life, you know, those uh, social media-worthy photos and moments, bet you. Better try really hard to go to the best places and take the best holidays and see the best things and experience the best concerts. You better make sure people around you are, are happy and having a great time so that your life is, is, is this fantastic experience. If, if that's what success looks like for you, you better work really hard on those things. My point is this, whatever your best life looks like, in this world you've got to work hard, don't you? You've got to really focus and you've got to try and you've got to, you've got to achieve and you've got to earn it. You've got to work hard for it. Grace is God saying to you in the midst of all that, whatever that looks like for you, grace is God in the middle of that saying, I can give you joy and peace and hope and freedom. I can give you a great life now and a great life into eternity, a life that will continue even after you die. And you don't have to do anything to work for it. You don't have to do anything to earn it. You don't have to try and plan and you don't have to do anything. I've already done it all. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus achieved our freedom on the cross. Jesus passed the test. He ticked the box. He paid the fee. Grace is God saying, I think you are extraordinarily valuable. 
And I want you to have this life. I want you to have this kind of life, this kind of life with me so much that I'm going to pay the cost to make it happen. I'm going to give this life. I'm going to make this life available to you as a gift. You don't have to be good enough. You don't have to be any better than you are today. doesn't matter how young you are in this place. You've already done all that you need to do. There's nothing more you need to do. You don't need to be smart enough or pretty enough or nice enough or popular enough or talented enough or cool enough or rich enough or anything enough. God's grace... God's undeserved favour is fully available to every person right now. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. It doesn't matter how life's going for you in the moment. It doesn't matter what trajectory your life takes from this day onwards. And as a church, I want to say grace is what we have to offer people here at Tide. Now, you can come to church because the music's good. You can come to church because, you know, you meet fantastic people and there's a great bunch of people in this building. Right? There really are. I mean that. You can join a church for all kinds of reasons. But I want to tell you, the only thing, the only genuinely valuable thing we have to offer you in this place is the love and the grace of God. I really mean that. The only thing we have that should really keep you coming back to this place is the grace and the love of God in your life. Now, I realise that when you talk about this, there's some people in the room for whom this might be new. Maybe you've heard about this. Maybe you kind of got it, but you've never... I don't know. You know, sometimes things just click, you know, and you go, well, I get this. I would really want that. But I get that there's other people in the room who've probably been around churches and places like this and have probably heard people talk about grace before, maybe many, many times before. And there's a, there's a, there's a chance that you're kind of like, yep, 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 I wonder what time lunch is. Wherever you are this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to connect with and to respond to the grace of God this morning. And if you're responding to that for the very first time, it can be as simple as you praying silently or nudging the person next to you and saying, can you please pray for me? Please pray that I would know the grace of God. I, I, I want to I say yes to what he's done for me and I want that life. I want to turn from my sin and turn from all the things that I was doing and I want to do life God's way. You can do that this morning. But for some of us, this morning is also a moment, an opportunity to just reconnect with the grace of God. Because, I, I mean, I, I, if you're anything like me, life gets busy, you know? And you get tied up in your job and in your family and in stuff at home and, and the football and all that sort of thing. And you hear someone talk about God's grace and you go, yeah, I kind of miss that. So we're going to sing, we're going to worship uh, in a moment. I'm going to invite you during that time just to invite the Holy Spirit, invite Jesus by his Holy Spirit to speak to you this morning. 
Now, what that means is if you want to keep singing, that's fine. If you want to sit down and pray, that's fine. If you want to grab someone you came with or someone who's next to you, or grab two or three people and just pray over one another, do that. But don't miss the opportunity this morning to connect or to reconnect with the grace of God. It's the most extraordinary, it's the most amazing thing happening in this building this morning. Thank you.